0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. Um, I love the Jets, so when, it, when I had the opportunity, I'm for free agency, and then I just feel like the stars kind of aligned. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of turnonthejets.com. Today, we're going to do a Twitter mailbag, our last one before the NFL draft, uh, which is this Thursday. We finally made it. As you can tell from my voice, playing through a little pain here, like all the greats do from time to time, coming off quite a wedding uh, this weekend, but wanted to make sure I uh, recorded this and got this out before another uh, week kicks in. Uh, We will have another podcast uh, with Scott Mason on this feed that will go live um, probably on Wednesday instead of our normal day on Thursday. We'll do sort of a final preview and rundown uh, of thoughts, our thoughts on the Jets uh, heading into the NFL draft. And then we'll, of course, have some you know wrap-up content uh, about what actually happens on this feed. I'll have my final two mock drafts uh, going live this week, probably on Tuesday. Uh, I'll do what I'd like to see the team do uh, and then also my predictions for what they actually will do. Uh, and then I'll have our normal round one guide that will run Thursday uh, and a few other articles and, of course, other podcasts in the Play Like a Jet feed will be out there as well. Before we jump into your questions, make sure to rate, review, subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play also available. Uh, we'll also publish this on turnonthejets.com. Any questions you want to hear answered on this podcast, easiest way, tweet them over to at This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, I got about 15 or 20 questions, so we'll probably go for about 25 minutes or so. Uh, First one from Darren Tewksbury. What would your dream draft scenario for the Jets on Thursday be? Uh, I wrote this in an article uh, that ran on the site over the weekend, and I don't know if there's a a pragmatic way for it to happen, but if through a scenario of trading down probably multiple times and then maybe trading up in some way, uh, they found a way to get two swings in sort of that 18 to 35 range and were able to leave with, Garrett Bradbury is their new starting center and a guy who's good enough to be Sam Darnold's center for the next decade. Uh, and added another offensive piece, maybe a guy like Noah Fant. That might be surprising, but I want as much help for Sam Darnold as possible. Uh, this is a good tight end class, a very weak, in my mind, receiver class, a fairly weak running back class. Uh, and obviously the Jets invested heavily in running back already this offseason with Le'Veon Bell and Ty Montgomery. Uh, so if the Jets could find some way to get Bradbury, and they're not going to take him at three. And even if they trade down a few spots, I don't think he's going to go in the top ten. That would be the best-case scenario in my mind. I I think they're going to ultimately end up staying put, but uh, I would be very excited if they were able to add two offensive players somehow within sort of that top 30 to 40 picks. But that would require a hell of a lot of maneuvering when they only have uh, the third overall pick and then two third-rounders. And it sounds like the only player that they're going to have on the market it's currently on their roster is Darren Lee. Um, next question uh, from Mike Curcio is how much would it take you to trade out of the third pick? I mean, it depends, right? It, it depends how far you're going to go down. I think it's something that the Jets will probably do for maybe a little less than most, most people expect, because I do really think they want to get more swings and they're aware uh, of some of the glaring holes on their roster right now. So, there's not a team coming up for a quarterback's. I don't think at least, unless Kyler Murray does surprisingly not go first overall. Uh, so I don't know if the haul is going to be quite as big as we've seen in some recent years. But, look, if they can add a second-round pick or, or add a first next year or uh, get more swings uh, on day two uh, in any way, uh, I think they're going to look long and hard at it. I don't know if they're going to be able to you know, get down you know, 15, 18 spots, but I think they'd be happy moving from three to ten, three to 15, somewhere around there. And, you know, if they could get a second round pick and then maybe get another third round pick or uh, get some picks for next year as well, I think they're going to be very open and very receptive to that. It's just who is coming up and who are they coming up for? It seems like Kyler Murray is going to go first overall. I don't know if there's another quarterback that anyone is going to be overly excited to trade up for or another player that anyone is overly excited to trade up for. It's not the flashiest top tier talent group that we've had in the NFL draft in recent years. Uh, you know, the guys expected to go at the top are uh, a lot of front seven defenders, uh, a lot of interior defensive linemen, uh, and a lot of projected edge rushers that there's mixed reviews on from a lot of people. So we'll see a uh, question from Midwest jets. I love Marcus May's game when he's healthy. Two questions. I've heard a lot about others on defense, but how will his play be impacted by the switch to Greg Williams And the over-under on games that May starts this year at 9.5, what do you have? Look, I think May has been good when he's been out there. I think, you know, they drafted him as an older prospect. He's already 25. I think he's going to be 26 this season, uh, which is uncommon for a guy going into his third year. And he got hurt week 17 of his rookie year and really kind of punted his entire sophomore year. He never really recovered from that injury and then got hurt again. And he was also a guy who was hurt at Florida. So, you know, it's a fair concern about him going forward, I think. You know, when you look at Greg's Williams defense, there's always people joking that he basically has a punt returner back there playing safety with how far back off the ball he'll have one guy. That guy projects to be Marcus May. I think you're going to see him way off the ball a lot, uh, deeper than he used to play under Todd Bowles. I think it's fair to think he could get over nine and a half games this year. I mean he did it as a rookie, he didn't do it last year. Uh but I think he, you know, can he, I think it would still be disappointing if he only played like ten or eleven games, but uh I do think he could get over nine and a half and I think it's kind of a pivotal make or break year for him if he can stay healthy and be Jamal Adams running mate long term. I think there's fair questions about that right now and also fair questions about how valuable is he going to be in this new defensive system, which I think will be pretty different from uh what Todd Bowles was doing with Marcus May. This is the Overtime Podcast Network from Chris Jabakowski. Right here, we got. How do you feel about the seven point five win total? Uh, what's your win total floor ceiling? I think it's a reasonable number. Uh, I've seen it vary in a few different locations, but I think seven and a half is fair. You know, looking at the roster and looking at the schedule now that they came out. If you asked me today, before the NFL draft, what I think they'll be, I'd say seven and nine or eight and eight. I think we'll all feel a little better about the roster after the draft. How much better, I think, we'll be open to interpretation with how the events go. Uh, but, you know, I think this team right now feels like it will be somewhere in that 7-9 and nine to 9-7 nine and seven range. I think the floor, you know, if a couple things go wrong and Adam Gase isn't winning close games anymore and Sam Darnold doesn't progress the way we want to or they sustain some injuries, this could definitely be a five-win team. Uh, they don't have a ton of depth. Uh, They have big questions at cornerback. They have big questions at center. They have big questions at pass rusher uh, and limited depth elsewhere on on the offensive line. I think the ceiling, look, I think when you look at the schedule, particularly the middle part of it, after they get through those first six games, uh, you look at how first-year coaches have performed here recently, and you look at Sam Darnold's talent. Sure, this could be a 10-win team, I think. Uh, It's not a strong division outside of New England. Miami's tanking. I think Buffalo uh, is a pretty average team at best. So I don't think it's crazy to think this team could win 10 games if they win close games and handle business when they play Miami twice, when they play the Giants, when they play the Redskins. Uh, if they can handle their winnable games, I don't think that's crazy. Now, I think it probably ends up netting out somewhere in the middle and they go about 8-8. Eight and eight. And how, how they get to that 8-8 eight and eight, uh, and how the season progresses and how Darnold plays I think will inform whether more people consider that a success or a failure. Personally, I've been pretty clear about this, I think, you have to start expecting more from your, this team and this franchise and this GM in his fifth year. I don't know how you could be in year five satisfied with uh, a fifth straight year of not making the playoffs or not having a winning record. Uh, but we'll see how it shakes out. But for in terms of an over-under line, I think 7.5 is pretty reasonable based on them being a four-win team last year uh, and still having a lot of major questions on their roster overall. From Ben Jacob, being that the Jets have clear needs, edge center, cornerback, and depth elsewhere – Should narrowing down priorities make us feel more confident in Mac being able to find value in the middle rounds? Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but you do feel like with the way the roster is currently constructed, it would be really surprising if they did not uh, draft a corner or a center with one of those uh, third-round picks, particularly if they go Josh Allen or Quinnen Williams uh, third overall. Uh, I just don't know how you'd ignore those positions. Um, I think McCadden just has to draft Young. Uh, be very careful if he's going to take a small school swing, because that has not worked out well in the past uh, when they've tried to do that and learn from his past mistakes, you know, whatever in his mind convinced him to take Ardarius Darius Stewart, Dylan Donahue and even Nathan Shepard. And I know that might sound harsh, but I just don't think that pick's going to pan out. Hopefully he learns from it and, can find a contributor at center, can find a contributor at corner. The Jets have, you know, struggled to do that. Justin Burris isn't here anymore. I don't think we're ever going to see Jeremy Clark contribute. Still some hope for Derek Jones, but he's buried on the depth chart. Uh, Traded a pick for Rashard Robinson. That hasn't worked out. So they need to hit at those positions, uh, particularly center and corner, because I do think they'll address the defensive front seven in the first round. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Question, most common question that most of us are getting if they stay put at three, which I do think they will, is it Quentin Williams or Josh Allen? Uh, I've talked about my personal preference. I would go with Josh Allen. I very much understand certain people's argument for Quentin Williams. Uh, I don't think it's one of these debates where it's, in my mind, a slam dunk either way. I would understand the rationale uh, if they took Quentin Williams, and I, I think he's a very high ceiling. Uh, very high-floor player, so it's hard to be mad about it. I also think it gives them more flexibility with what they do with Leonard Williams long-term. I just think Josh Allen, in terms of everything he can do from the linebacker position, will ultimately bring more value in the short and long-term uh, with the construction of this roster and the kind of defense that they're going to play. But this is not like last year where it's like, oh my God, if the Jets take Josh Allen, the quarterback, this is an unmitigated disaster. Uh, or something like that. Uh, there's not that kind of mistake really staring them in the face of my mind. So I do think if faced with that choice, they would take Allen because I think they're going to see a lot of Anthony Barr in him, and we know they wanted a player like that in their defense. Uh, and I think there will be a little hesitancy to take another interior defensive lineman, but wouldn't be shocked either way. We'll see how it shakes out. Um, From RJ Lamore, who is this year's candidate to have a breakout camp and preseason but to never play it down in this year's regular season for the Jets? That's a funny question. Uh, it, it's a good one. I could see a guy like Deontay Brunett playing really well in the preseason but not getting a lot of reps just out of a function of you know the Jets doing a three-receiver set most of the time and those reps going to Anderson and uh and Crowder. Uh so I think even if he does play well, he's gonna be behind Bellamy as well, who's gonna be out there because of special teams. So I I could see Burnett seems like a logical guy for that. And maybe even Derek Jones again. Uh you know, he did the last season, he flashed, and then we never saw him in the regular season. Uh those are two of the younger guys uh to keep an eye on in preseason. Uh even guys like McGuire and Cannon might have some nice moments in the preseason, but gonna be hard pressed for a lot of playing time behind Bell, who's gonna be a workhorse, and then Ty Montgomery. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. From Andrew Feingold, rumors on a Frank Clark trade, hot or cold. So initially, I would have said that the Jets would not have any interest in Frank Clark due to his uh, off-the-field history. I think that's something that McCagnan has shied away from uh, in the past uh, due to some of the things in his own life and his wife's life and some of the stuff they do uh, off the field from uh, you a know, charity perspective. Completely you know, align with that commendable. I don't think it's something that's problematic. I understand some fans frustration that they won't consider certain players, but there has been rumors now that they were potentially interested, but they could circle back around it to the draft. How concrete is that? I don't know. We've had a lot of almost jets rumors through the years about who they could almost be interested in, but not close. Now it does sound like Seattle wants a first round pick. I think the jets are giving up third overall, uh, maybe there's some type of pick swap situation, but I still think it's a long shot at best that they're going to end up with this guy. I'm sure there's going to be an aggressive market for him, and we'll see what everything settles out at, but I would not bet on him being a Jet by the end of this weekend. A lot of Frank Clark questions. I get it. Everyone wants an edge rusher. Uh, he's going to It's going to come at a high price, though, and I, it would be surprising to see them execute that level of a trade, whether it was even for him or Jadeveon, Blowney, uh, Jadeveon Clowney. Question which I did answer, and I talked about a little before from from Steiner, which is basically complaining that I said that if the Jets win five or six games, they should clean house. I have said that, and I stand by it, and I think part of it might sound ridiculous that you'd fire a head coach after his first year, but in my mind, jets go five and eleven you 're firing the GM because it's his fifth year and you're five and eleven for basically the fourth straight season. Uh, And when you do that, you hire a new GM, and it's his discretion what he wants to do with the head coach, and that could very well include getting rid of Adam Case. Part of why it probably made sense to get rid of McCagdon when you got rid of Bowles, so you just kind of have a fresh start. They didn't do that, Uh, and they chose to do something unconventional, which is hire a head coach immediately after he was fired without him taking any time in between. It's very rare that that happens in the NFL, and I think when you do that, you're basically saying that We're confident we can win right now. And I think it shortens the runway for him because he's an experienced coach. He's been a head coach in the NFL in the division for the past three years. This will be his fourth straight year of doing it. Uh, It's not a normal thing uh, for coaches to get fired on one team and then immediately start coaching another team the next year. Usually there's a couple of years off. They go back to being a coordinator. They go to college and they circle back around. Uh, And we've seen it with Rex Ryan, went right from the Jets to the Bills, lasted a year and three quarters. Uh, We saw it with Mangini, went right from the Jets to the Browns, lasted, I think, two two years. Uh, With Andy Reid, it was a different scenario that worked out very well, went right from the Eagles to the Chiefs. Uh, That's obviously worked for them. Uh, Going back even further, Herm Edwards went directly from the Jets to the Chiefs. I think he lasted a couple of years there. They did make the playoffs once, but ultimately ended pretty ugly. Uh, So it's not a common thing, and I think, look... You go five and eleven after going four and twelve, five and eleven, five and eleven, I don't know why you wouldn't fire everybody. The clock's ticking on Sam Darnold's rookie contract. You got to win in this window. When you look at all the starting quarterbacks in the NFL, half of them made the playoffs within the first two years of their rookie contract. Sixteen of the thirty two starters have done that. So the clock is ticking the time is to start making the playoffs and having winning seasons now because in a few years, the Jets are hopefully going to be in a position where they want to give Sam Darnold Russell Wilson type money or whatever the contract is at that point, and that makes building your roster substantially more challenging. Uh, They won't have the luxury of going to pay C.J. Mosley as the highest paid linebacker in NFL history or paying Le'Veon Bell $13 million a year when they got to pay Sam Darnold that much money. Question or angry rant from Danny. Here's a question for you. Stop with your BS on why we should not take Quinnen. He's the best player by a mile. Every single scout says so. Take him and shut up, Joe. Thanks, Danny. That's why you've been muted, but I did the thing where they still let you see muted uh, tweets. Uh, I don't think every single scout is saying he's the best player by a mile at all. I've seen plenty of different rankings that have him as a third or fourth prospect. Our man Connor Rogers has Ed Oliver ranked higher than him as an interior defensive lineman. I know Dalbin feels that way as well. Uh, Other guy we follow uh, for CBS, Chris Trapazzo, I think has... Uh, Quinnen down as like the fifth or sixth highest prospect. Now, other people, our own Joe Blewett has him as the top prospect in the class. A lot of people have Bosa as the highest prospect in the class. Some people have Kyler Murray as the higher prospect in the class. So I don't think it's a slam dunk. Uh, I think you can make a case he is and make a case that he's better than Josh Allen, absolutely. Uh, But I don't think it's a slam dunk by any means necessary. So no need to be so angry. It's just the NFL draft. They're going to get a good player no matter what if they stay put at three. Uh, We'll see how it shakes out from there. All right, we'll do a couple more here uh still getting a few questions about the jets jerseys uh from Captain jet Sparrow, what do you think of the jets new uniforms? I think they were I think they're fine um you know i'm not i don't think some people played it out to be some kind of like train wreck or disaster I don't think that i mean i'm not I was a little less excited around all the hype about it than than some fans, uh but I think they're cool. I think it was time for a change uh, I definitely like the alternates a lot like most people um I'm more of a T-shirt guy at this point, hence we sell (laughs) T-shirts on the Jets, but uh, I get the excitement around it, and I think they're fine. I mean, I think the the teams are going to be changing their jerseys a lot more going forward because there's a lot of money to be made from it. I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets refresh their jerseys like five years, six years from now uh, because it's a good thing to do some marketing around. So uh, it was time for something new, and I I think it will be uh, a little sharper looking uh, than what they've had previously. Question from Joe Heldman. Would the Packers be interested in trading number 12 and number 30 in a package for the Jets' third overall pick? What would a package for that scenario be like? I I don't know who that team is who's going to be to move up because it depends. Does Kyler Murray actually not go first? Uh, Does somebody really want Haskins or Locke or Daniel Jones even? I I mean, I doubt it. Or, Or does someone really value a certain defensive player like Quentin williams or bosa if he starts to fall If the jets could find their way to get two swings you know one between 10 and 15 and one between 25 and 40 I think that's a great potential scenario for them uh to really try to plug some of the holes that we've discussed previously and i'd love to get a swing of bradbury i mean, he's one of my favorite uh prospects in this class and fills their biggest outstanding need still on offense and is someone who could be with Darnold for a long time. I just don't know if they're going to be able to uh, position themselves to make that pick, and it's not a great year for offensive linemen in the first round, which is kind of a bummer uh, because it's something that the Jets really need to address, and they're going to pay the price for not addressing uh, in previous years. They've only taken two offensive linemen over the past four years and both are in the fifth round or later. One of them's out of the NFL, uh, Jarvis Harrison the other one's Brandon Shell, who has been okay uh, but is coming off a serious injury himself and has had some durability questions and concerns question from Michael Christopher if Justin Herbert came out in this year's draft do you think it would have been a slam dunk in terms of the Jets ending up with Bosa since the Niners could trade back or the Jets being able to get a haul for that pick look I think it would have been better if there were more quarterbacks uh, at the top Herbert being there uh, I think certainly would have helped it uh, just didn't shake out that way also would have been great if uh, a couple week 17 games shook out in the jets favor or like Eli Maguire like tripped on that fourth and goal against buffalo the jets would have just been picking second and probably could have definitely got their hands on bosa uh or would have had a more enticing pick to uh you know trade back from but they are where they are they're picking in the top 6 it seems like for the 10th straight year uh and let's hope that they take advantage of it and you know get someone who's going to be an all pro level player because that's what you want you want a guy like Jamal Adams, who already made an all-pro team by year two. You want a guy like Sam Darnold, who everyone's very rightfully excited about, the most important position in the sport. You don't want to end up having to a Leonard Williams-type player who's like good, but we're not sure if you even want to give him a second contract or a Darren Lee-type player who they're probably going to trade at some point this weekend. And I do think uh, that will happen uh, before week one if it doesn't happen during draft weekend. Uh, second part of the question from Michael Christopher: Who do you think the Jets have ranked as the top five players in this draft? Uh, it's a good question. Um, I do generally believe, and I, you know, I wrote about this before. Before the actual drafts, like I do generally believe that the Jets had Darnold as their top player on the board last year, and had Jamal Adams as the top player on their board the year before, and uh, got a situation where they really got the guy that they wanted. Now, whether those rankings ultimately proved to be accurate or not, well, time will tell. But uh, I think we got a good feel, at least for McCagden, how he will rank, like, the top players in the class. So I think Bosa, if I had to guess, is probably the top player, uh, on their board overall. I think, second, honestly, and this is gonna, you know, come down to probably who their pick is, I think it's probably a coin flip, uh, between Quinnen and Josh Allen. I'm sure there could be some divide internally on, uh, how they would be utilized. And I'm sure Greg Williams will have a lot of say uh, in which direction they go. But I would guess they have them as like a 2A and a 2B. I could also see them having Ed Oliver right behind those two when there's been some rumblings. The Jets could consider him uh, with the third overall pick as well, which would be a surprise. I I think Allen and Quinnen would be better options. Uh, But I could definitely see them having Oliver as sort of like right behind them, sort of like 2A, 2B, and then he's 3. But I would say Bosa is probably the guy that they have uh, top overall. Uh and it's probably a board that is five defensive players uh based on you know how this class is shaken out, which is you know just something considering you would want this to be a year where you could have added some help for Sam Darnold at the top of the draft. All right. Thank you everybody for listening. Appreciate all the questions. Appreciate you bearing with my limited voice. A little too much uh dance floor action uh last night. As I said, mock drafts Coming Tuesday, uh, podcast on this feed coming Wednesday, uh, round one guide for the Jets coming Thursday, uh, 12-pack on Friday, reviewing their pick and previewing their day two picks, and then a draft reaction podcast the following Sunday, and then some draft grades and NFL comparisons also Sunday to Monday. So A lot of content on the way from yours truly, and then plenty others from everyone else from our wonderful staff at Turn on the Jets. Thank you everyone for listening, and enjoy your night.